Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Um, I'm very excited uh, for us today because as the screen says, we have um, Dan Hoime. Uh, he's one of the missionary families that we um, are um, proud to be a part of and associated with. Dan and his family are missionaries in Angola, Africa. They've been there for for years. I don't want to. I'm not going to stick to my script because I don't want to take away any of Dan's thunder and accidentally say something that he was going to say. Um, but he and his family have have been there. Uh, they're doing some incredible work, and he is going to be talking to us this morning about how they've been ministering to the nomadic and rom- nomadic and remote people of Angola, Africa. So please. Join me in welcoming up Dan Hoime as he comes up to share with us this morning. Take it away, Dan. Thank you. I am sound challenged, audio, it's not my thing. Uh, It's great to be here. And uh, my family and I got to be here last year as well. Uh, we have four children, Jacob, Abigail, Elena, and Colin. All of them are very different from each other. And uh, unfortunately, they are not here with me this morning. Uh, we've been traveling for the last week and a half. And uh, they uh, drove, my wife's from Cocoa, Florida. And so uh, they drove back there uh, yesterday and, and I came down here. Uh, my parents are in the room, uh, Dan and Marilyn Hoyme. They don't follow me around everywhere that we travel or preach, but they're, they're here in Naples for uh, a few weeks. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. They, they still live in Chicago. And um, anyways, so I had, a, I had a wonderful upbringing. I have three siblings. Uh, and um, yeah, we, we have a blessed family. Um, yeah, I look forward to sharing with you this morning. And uh, just to, to talk about uh, what God is doing in Angola and in Overland Missions in general. Uh, and there really are some exciting things as I do that. Um, just want a precursor saying the things that I'm talking about, uh, uh, I'm bragging on the testimonies and things. I'm bragging on what God is doing, not in how wonderful we are as people or how amazing uh, uh, Overland Missions is as an organization, although I do believe it's an amazing organization. There's, but just, you know, Paul says you're, you can brag in your sphere of influence. You can talk about the things that God has done through you, and you can, and you can be confident uh, uh, and talk about those things. So, um, and I also want to this morning uh, encourage us and challenge us uh, from the Word. Without the Word, we don't have a ministry. Uh, without something to say, uh, we don't, uh, we can't change anyone's life. So, uh, and just to encourage you, um, you know, you may not feel like you know a lot of the word or uh, you've studied uh, the Bible all that much, but uh, simple, the, the, the word that you know is more than what other people know. And the word in itself has power and it has life and it transforms hearts, it changes lives. And probably most of us, if, if not all of us in this room, have experienced that. If you haven't experienced it, 
Let's experience it. It's time to experience it. Uh, uh, believe in Jesus. He is um, the king of the entire world. Uh, and as America was not, America was started as a country to escape the king, right? We were escaping the, the tyranny of the king of, of Britain. So uh, the reality is, as Americans, we often don't understand a kingdom. But when there's a kingdom, there's one person in charge, and your opinion doesn't matter, and it's not a democracy, right? In the kingdom of God, that's actually how it is. Um, your opinion uh, doesn't really matter. It's God's opinion that matters. It's God's word that matters. And as we get it in our hearts, as, as we understand it, it motivates us to live uh, like him. You know, Paul said, he said, Imit, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. You know what I mean? So it, it, it causes us, it actually changes us uh, who we are. We, um, I joined Overland Missions in 2003. We live, we live in Angola now. Before that, um, my wife and I lived in Zambia, Africa, a neighboring country. And um, <clears throat> the reality is, as you live in a foreign culture, is anyone here not was not born in the United States? Wow, okay, yeah. So as you come from one culture and you live in another culture, you actually become a blend of, of the two or maybe of the three. So you're not fully American or you're not fully African. I'm African-American, no. <laughs> um, but you, be, you take upon... Uh, traits of each culture, you adopt certain things. And so that when you come back to visit your home culture, your passport culture, however you want to say it, you're actually a little bit different. And that's exactly actually how it's supposed to work uh, with the spiritual kingdom, the, the kingdom of God. We uh, has, have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, been placed into the, the kingdom of light, the Bible says, and now we're to learn about this kingdom. We're not supposed to live as uh, just according to the, our, our culture, whatever culture we live in. Uh, there's good things about each culture. There's bad things about each culture, no matter what country you're in. Uh, but we're, we're not supposed to live according to those things. We're supposed to live according to uh, uh, how the Bible prescribes. And so, and so anyways, I want to encourage you with some things where uh, I'd like to start with a video, uh, kind of highlighting some things that has happened in Af uh, Angola specifically uh, in the last year. So Southwest Angola is a unique part of Southern Africa. It's a unique part of Africa in that there are five remote, very traditional uh, unreached tribal groups and they their culture they've guarded their culture very uh, strongly and they haven't mixed in with the rest of the culture of Angola so Angola speaks Portuguese which we, we speak to communicate there they many of them only speak their uh, native language their tribal language they they've chosen not to uh, to mix in and so um, yeah, they've, they, they, they raise cattle and they raise goats, they live out in the desert, and they prefer to be separate. So, and, and actually, you know, you think of Africa, maybe you think of a village or, or whatever you think of, but um, 
in other places in Africa, there are remote villages and places, uh, but the traditionalness uh, of the culture of these people is kind of what sets them apart. And so we arrived there in 2016. We started ministering, and we've really seen the Lord open up the hearts. We started in one tribe called the Kuvale tribe. And I mean, it's difficult to get to the places. Uh, you need a good four by four vehicle. You need a good camping setup. And so they don't, they don't come to you. You go to them. And so uh, we will spend three to five nights at a time in, in the village, uh, getting to know them, building relationship with them, and uh, beginning to tell them about, about God. Uh, they uniquely, they have, Africans are a very spiritual people in general. And um, I have never met uh, an African who would call himself an atheist, okay? Uh, which is very different than uh, in America or Europe. But uh, uniquely, these, these uh, people have a very vague concept uh, of God. They've never heard of Jesus. We, we, we came to them at the beginning and even still now as we enter new villages and we would say, um, you know, who is God to you? And, you know, they'd answer, uh, have you heard of Jesus? Uh, no. Does he live in the village next door? You know, no, he doesn't. Um, but, um, so yeah, it's, it's a unique place and Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, um, let's just turn there quick. He says that our gospel did not come to you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance. So God is real. He's real today. And we really were depending upon God to you know, not just present, you know, the message, but to confirm it with signs and wonders. And that it really is what he has done, providing rain in the dry season in a desert where it may rain once or twice a year. And we would, and, and they basically, they would always kind of challenge us. They would say, okay, you're talking about God. You say that he's real. You say that we can know him. Um, we need rain. Okay, and, um, and so we began to pray for rain. And in, in, in one village, we were there for three days teaching, and uh, we stood up with them all at the end of the time, and uh, we said, okay, we're gonna pray for rain together. Okay, I'm not more special than you. Before God, we're all gonna pray. And we left, and it rained for two days straight. And then we came back uh, the next month, and the headman of the village, massive smile on his face, he said, he's like, well, I have to tell you, we didn't know it rained. We, we just left. And then he, he came back and uh, he said, well, I have to tell you, the, the day you left, it rained for two days straight. And now I know that everything you said was true. That's what he said. And he uh, has become a very strong uh, believer, disciple. But that's the reality uh, of our God and, and, and what God can do in your life as well. The word just doesn't come with a message, but it comes with the whole backing of the Godhead. Uh, whether it be a, a sickness in your life, a family situation, the reality is that God inside of you is bigger than anything. And so that is our, our job, in a sense, our duty as Christians to begin to see how big God is and how, how, what he can do in our lives and how he can use us to, to, to minister to others. Uh, briefly, just want to mention a few things happening in Overland Missions as a whole. 
If you like music, if you like worship music, we've begun to write songs and record songs. So if you go to Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, type, type in Overland Missions Music. It's great worship music, great music, good lyric, and uh, written all by our, our missionaries. They're actually right now, we just came out of a conference time and retreat time, and there's a group that are uh, writing new songs right now, as well as recording things that they read or that they wrote throughout the year. So if you like music, check that out. And a, a neat thing happening uh, in, in Overland Missions is uh, the favor that God has given us with African kings and royalty in the entire continent. So Africa does work off kings. They're, so they're, you know, they have the, the country lines which were drawn don't follow the, the way that the tribes, how they're spread out, right? And so, but each tribe has, a, they're not an elected official, it's a, they have a king. And there's much hierarchy, there's much protocol, there's much homage, often almost like a God worship that can happen to these kings. And these are spread all throughout Africa in the different tribes. And due to our relationship with one of the Africa, uh, chiefs in Zambia, Overland Missions has been in Zambia the longest out of any country in Africa, in terms of where we are. Um, he is connected to a bigger group of uh, African kings. And we held an event a year and a half ago uh, where we invited all of the kings of Africa to come to Lusaka, Zambia, and we uh, uh, were going to minister to them for three days. So I believe there were 34 countries represented out of, I think, 54 countries in Africa. Kings from Somalia, Egypt, Morocco, uh, South Africa, you know, you name it, they were probably there. We ministered to them for three days and we, we built relationships with them. And, and so these relationships are opening up doors throughout the, throughout the continent to, to go and bring the, the greatest message on the face of the planet to people groups who uh, have been closed off due to government or other religions or, or whatever it is. So it's, it's super exciting. And one, before I get into the, to the word, one other cool testimony that happened this year and the people that we minister to. So on the video, you saw some donkeys walking up a trail. The people group that we minister to uh, some of them live on top of a mountain and your vehicle doesn't go up there. You actually have to hike up there. It's a six mile hike. You have to bring everything with you, your water, your food, everything. There's, you know, and so we hire donkeys to carry the heavy stuff. And then we, we, we also walk up. We went up there once this year. We tried about four or five times, but every time we made an agreement with the, the men who, who own the donkeys, uh, they just didn't show up. So there's no phone. You can't just call them. Hey, we're coming this day. You, when you're there, before you leave, you give them a date and say, we're coming back on this date. We come back on that date. And he's, you know, they're not there. They're, they're, they're somewhere else. So anyways, one of these times where uh, we tried to go up the mountain, we, we were not able to. We kind of went exploring in the vehicle. Let's just see what's, what other th villages are at the base of the mountain. We, we found two new ones. And uh, one of them, uh, I think they thought we were like doctors bringing medicines because they were super excited uh, that we had arrived. 
and they, two young children had died earlier that week because the water that they have to drink is terrible. Uh, if it doesn't rain well one rainy season, then you know the water tape, the water holes and things uh, dry up. There's very few wells that are in the area. And, and so oftentimes they dig down in the dry riverbeds until they hit the water table, but then the cattle and, and, and everyone drinks out of the same water. So people get sick. So um, this uh, man's wife, who's he's the head of the village, he, uh, she was very sick. And then the, the children had died earlier that week. And he just begged me, please give me any medicine. Give me something for my, for my wife. And we, we had nothing to give him, and I wouldn't know what to have given him if, 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 I had, if I had medication. And so we sat down with them and just kind of got to know them a little bit. He said, well, can we pray for your wife? That's what we can do, which he didn't really seem too impressed with that, with that, with that answer. And um, so we laid hands on and we prayed for her. And as we were praying, just the, the, the presence of God just came. And the peace of God uh, hit me, and I, and I don't do this. In fact, I don't know that I've ever done this. But after we got done praying, I said, sir, your wife doesn't need medicine. She's going to be fine. God's going God's to heal her. She's, she's going to be fine. And so uh, that's a pretty bold statement when people have died earlier that week. Uh, but I really just felt the, uh, convicted that that was, that, was, that was the case. So we left. We were not able to come back to the village for about another two months because of other things that were happening. And as we entered the village, uh, he was all smiles. She had recovered. And the whole, the, just the whole hearts of all the families that were in that uh, really just opened up. They want to hear, okay, about this God who, who, who now heals. And so God is, um, comes with the gospel comes in word and it also comes, comes in power. And um, in Psalm 84, which if you have a Bible here, I know the church has Bibles for you to look at. I believe this, this verse is, is found for you there. Psalm 84, five says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And in, real, in, in reality, all of us are on a mission. God has a journey for all of us. If you are in relationship with God through Jesus, his spirit lives inside of you. And he is leading you or wants to lead you. Uh, the, the book of Romans chapter 8 says that... All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so if you are a son of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. We don't all follow his leading, but you are led by him. And he does lead you. He will lead you. And, um, and so I just want to point out some examples in the Bible of, of where God has, has led his people throughout history and then how, how he leads us. And in fact, throughout history, God has journeyed with his people to accomplish his purposes. Abraham was the first missionary in the Bible. 
God called him away from his country to a different place. Okay, you know, the word missionary actually is not in the Bible, but that's a, that is kind of what a missionary does. You, you leave your home country, you go to another country to, to, to do a task that, that God has, has given you to do. So Genesis 12, 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So Abraham, Abram departed, and the Lord, as the Lord had spoken to him, says he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So you can even be older in your life and God speak to you to, to do something. Abraham went to new land. He dwelt uh, as a stranger in tents and a land that God had promised to give uh, to him and, and his descendants. Uh, Moses is another example. He was born in Egypt. He left Egypt and he was living in the desert. God appeared to him and sent him back to Egypt. Uh, and a lot of pretty amazing miracles were done. And then he led the children of Israel out into uh, the wilderness where they ended up wandering for, for 40 years and then entering um, the, the promised land. And um, in fact, um, God himself lived in a tent. His earthly dwelling was uh, the tabernacle. So Moses went out of Egypt with the children of Israel. He, um, God gave him instruction to build a tabernacle, which was a tent. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, it was an actual building with bricks or whatever, because it always moved. God wanted to journey with his people. So they would set up the tent. They would be there for a while. And then they would pack up the tent and, and they would move. Even after they uh, left the wilderness and entered the promised land, they still, it was just the tabernacle until um, David, King David came along and he was kind of feeling a little guilty. He, he said, God, you know, you've taken me. I was, I was um, looking after sheep and you brought me. I'm the king of this, of this nation. I have a beautiful house. How is it? that I have a beautiful house and you dwell in a tent, okay? Which um, quite a thoughtful person David was, looking after, uh, trying to look after the Lord. And uh, basically God says, hey, you don't worry about me. I've been living in tents for a long time. Um, he sends Nathan the prophet to him in 2 Samuel 7. He says, go and say to my servant David, thus says the Lord, do you intend to build a house for me in which I dwell? I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought the sons of Israel from Egypt until this day. I have been moving about with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the sons of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house? Okay. So God says, hey, you don't worry about me. I... Again, I love that verse. Blessed is the man whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The Lord, he was journeying. He, he was going with his people. He was, he was journeying. But then, a bit further down, <clears throat> uh, Nathan keeps talking to David, and he says, The Lord declares to you, David, <clears throat> that he will instead build you a house 
when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up after you an offspring from your body, and I will establish his rule. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Uh, A bit further down, it says, and your house and dominion will endure forever before me, and your throne will be established by the Lord. Does anyone know who, who he was talking about? Yeah. So, did Jesus come to build a building? Or did he come to build the lives of people? He came to indwell us. And so God's earthly throne right now is inside of you. Those who believe in Jesus, those who uh, have, uh, have faith in him, uh, this miraculous thing has happened in which uh, he has taken you out of a spiritual kingdom of darkness, placed you into a spiritual kingdom of light, and he now dwells in you. Um, and this is, this actually uh, really applies to missionary work missions or whatever journey the Lord has you on. Most of you probably live here in Naples. Uh, you go to school, you work, uh, your grandparents, your fathers, your mothers. Uh, but yet uh, the Lord has a journey for, for all of us and a purpose for all of us. So when we, when we realize and understand, you know, who the fact that God does tabernacle within us, he lives within us, it actually changes our perspective on everything in life. So if you remember the, the tabernacle, it had a couple different parts. It had an outside part where they would come in and they would do the sacrifices and, and, and that sort of thing. And then it had an inside part, the, the most inside part, which was called the Holy of Holies. And the high priest could go in there once a year, and there was a big, you know, to sacrifice and, and do everything perfect. Because if he went in there, and the animal sacrifices was how the sins were atoned at that time, and he hadn't had pers- followed all the prescriptions, he would die immediately in the presence of God. Because God is holy, and he's the king of the universe, and you don't come before, if you come before the king in an unprescribed manner, you die. We see that in the book of Esther. If you, if you have read that book, uh, she gets put in a position by God. She becomes the wife of the, uh, uh, of the king. And she, uh, as she gets a Persia, she gets put in a position where all the Jews are going to be murdered. And she says, no, but I'm going to, go before the king and request that my people live. But she knew that if she went before the king without, a prescri- without an invitation, that she too, as the queen, could die. So she said, fast for me for three days. I'm going to fast, and then I'm just going to go. If I perish, I perish. She said, you go before the king, and God himself, without the prescribed manner, you're done. So, so that's how it was. And now that Jesus came... He died for our sins. He died for you. He died as you. Your, your sinfulness, uh, your sin nature hung on the cross with him. It was buried with him, and you were raised to new life. 
And it says, when he rose from the grave, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's the same veil that we're talking about. There was, there was a veil that kept people from going into the most holy place so that they wouldn't die. That veil was torn from top to bottom, so uh, showing that now all who have been forgiven, who have been made holy, who have been made righteous by God, can enter into God's presence, the holiest of holies, and you are fine. Which means that the holy of holies actually lives inside of you. Okay? God lives inside of his people. Okay? The Holy Spirit. You believe in Jesus, you receive uh, the Holy Spirit, he comes and he actually lives uh, inside of you. you I- inside of your spirit, you're perfectly righteous, perfectly holy. You are the holy of holies and God walks with you to every, every place that you go. And number one, it's amazing to, and important to realize this because our life really as Christians is about a life of faith. We're supposed to have faith in God. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The reality is that faith is not that difficult of a thing when we realize what God has, has given to us and who he is and, and the amazingness of him living on the inside of us. Uh, Romans 10 says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. And the more that we understand, the more that we see that God lives inside of us, there's, li- there's nothing too big in life, okay? For my journey, he has us in Angola. We have a specific task to do. For your journey, um, I know Florida has a lot of transplants. People come from New York and Pennsylvania and every- everywhere else. Um, but whatever tasks he has put before you, you are bigger than that task, Whatever challenges that are in your life, you, because Christ lives inside of you, you are bigger than your challenges. You are bigger than your task. And unfortunately, what religion likes to do to us is religion, you know, meaning just kind of a tradition, just going through the motions without an actual understanding or revelation uh, of who Jesus is, will, will exalt uh, your inability uh, over God's ability, okay? And, you know, far be it from us as Christians to believe more in our failure and our inability than in Jesus's incredible success. Because the reality is Jesus's success is your success. Second Corinthians 5, verse 14 says, for the love of Christ compels us or constrains us because he judged, because we judge this. If one died for all, then all died. Okay. If Jesus died for all people, then all people died with him. Does that make sense? If Jesus died for you, then he actually, he died as you. You hung on the cross with Jesus. Your failure, your sin, your mess, hung on the cross with Jesus. And when, it, when he went to the grave, it stayed there, and you raised with him to, to new life. 
And when we understand that, because the reality is we on Earth, we were oftentimes, it's, you know, we're ruled by what we see in front of us, our five senses, our emotions, the, maybe the dysfunction of our family or whatever around us, um, or the dysfunction of society. And we view that as that's, that's true, that's truth. Okay, this is, this is the reality, this is the world. But there, there's like a plumb line for truth and it's, it's the word of God. And we have to realize that our, the, the brokenness and, and the mess that could be our lives or maybe that is our lives, it actually died on the cross with Jesus. And that as he rose, we received a new life. And so that as we focus on that new life, we begin to walk differently. We begin to walk according to God, would, as God would want us to walk. We begin to walk with confidence. We begin to walk with uh, uh, righteousness and holiness. And, and God begins to operate on our behalf. And, you know, if Jesus were to walk in the room this morning in his glorified state, he lives in heaven right now. As a man, he lives in heaven because he became a man and he's still a man. As he, if he were to walk through these doors, we would see his glory. He'd be shining bright as the sun. And I don't think any of us really would have a difficult time believing. You know what I mean? The grandeur of who he is, we would kind of forget about our life's problems, you know, or we would be able to see past them and have faith to move on in our life. And the reality is, although we don't see him with our eyes, he lives inside of us in all his grandeur, in all his uh, ability and all his purity and all his holiness. And the more that we focus our eyes upon that, our spiritual eyes upon that, the more we begin to walk with, with confidence in this life. So one application of this is, you know, uh, whatever task that God has given you, business, doctor, missionary, student, whatever it is, that Christ inside of you allows you to walk that with confidence and ability. And there's all kinds of self-help books out there. You know what I mean? How to be your best you, you know, how to, how to do this, how to succeed in life. But the reality, the best, the best success that you can have is when you realize that it's no longer dependent upon you, but you have the supernatural, eternal power of God on the inside of you, and he's going to help you in your task. But he doesn't just want to help you do your task as a physician or this or that. He wants you to use that task to bring other people into, into his kingdom and into uh, what he's called his church to do, to bring uh, uh, the lost into knowing him. 2 Corinthians 5, talking, continuing on the theme of tents, you know, uh, Paul says, we know that this is verse one. We know that if our earthly house, this tent were to be destroyed, we have an eternal building of God in the heavens. And so even now on this, on this, in this earth, you know, Paul says in, in chapter four, the, just before he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So we can't see the treasure, but we have the treasure. The treasure's in you. 
If you, if you are a born-again believer, the treasure is in you, but it's in an earthen vessel. So he says, the excellency of the power being from God and not from ourselves. Paul, does any, Paul had a pretty difficult life once he started following Jesus. You know, before um, he was like a real zealous uh, Jewish uh, tradition guy, he, you know, imprisoned Christians and then God called him into the ministry and it all, the tables turned on him and he was beaten and he was jailed and he had a, he'd shipwrecked. He had, he had a pretty difficult life, but he said, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Uh, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying around in the body the death of the Lord Jesus, that also the life of Jesus might be expressed in our bodies. So this death that he was experiencing, this persecution that he, and all the difficulties that he was experiencing because he was following God's call, it actually provides an opportunity for God to show up in the life of Jesus also to be to be seen uh, uh, and, and his miracles to come through on your behalf. And I'll, I'll finish with this story. And I thought about it just as I walked in uh, the building this morning. And, and just to encourage you that whatever task you're in, he's with you. Uh, his supernatural power is in you, is with you, and he's gonna take care of you. So when I, I studied civil engineering in university, and I crammed four years into five. It was great. And, um, but I did two summer mission trips with Overland Missions. That's how I was introduced to them when I was in college. And the second one was to the Amazon in Brazil, which is a beautiful area, beautiful region, pink dolphins that uh, swim in the Amazon River. And we were there in 2002. And... The, we woke up early to watch Brazil defeat Germany in the 2002 World Cup soccer final. Okay, if you know anything about Brazilians, if you know a Brazilian, they are crazy about soccer. And so, you know, the, the whole, the rest of the day, the whole country was, the whole city where we were in, you know, just people celebrating in the streets, cars racing down avenues and people just, so we were out just enjoying the time with people and, you know, man, these guys are excited about soccer or football as they would say. And uh, so it was a long day. We come back, we were living on a boat, we were traveling on a boat. And Philip, who started Overland Missions, him and his wife Sharon were there and I said, oh gosh, we guys, we forgot, we have to send a team, a small team down the river to a church, an Indian church uh, uh, that we've told, we've told them we were going to come. Who's going to go? And everyone had been up since 2 a.m. No, nobody wants to go down the river. So I said, I'll go. And two other people came, two other guys. So we go down and um, they, we did the church service. They, I think they called us three up to sing the church a song, which was a bad idea because none of us were singers. I don't, I don't know what we sang them. I don't even remember what, uh, uh, who gave the message or what was said. But we're coming back, and now we're going up the river. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, the, the moon is, is you know, bright, and, it's, and as we're going up the river, the, uh, the engine 
stops to, it just stops, stops working. And so we start floating downriver now. And we were given a radio to call, you know, hey, if you guys have any problems, call us on the radio, you know, we'll come get you. Guys, we have a problem, come get us. Everyone's sleeping on the boat, no one's awake because everyone's tired, so they didn't hear us. So we start, we keep drifting down the, the river. We managed to navigate to a little island that was in the middle of the river. And uh, we, we stayed there for the night. We, the, the mosquitoes were really bad. So the Amazon has lots of malaria. It's got crocodiles in the water, snakes in the water. So malaria is transferred by mosquitoes. So lots of mosquitoes were just being eaten alive. We get off the boat. We start kind of tr uh, going back and forth on this little beach of the island. And there was an older gentleman, uh, someone who had kind of served uh, on the mission field for years. And thank God he was there. He's like, okay, guys, we're going to, this is miserable. We're going to ask God to send a breeze so that the mosquitoes don't eat us alive all night. And I, I think I was just deliriously trying to stay awake, you know what I mean, not fall in the face in the, uh, on the beach. And I said, okay, let's pray. So he, we pray, and about two minutes later, the breeze starts to flow. The mosquitoes were off us all night. And then finally, during, in, in the, the sun comes up, the, uh, a family comes up in their boat, and they graciously pick us up, and they tow our boat back to, to where we were going. And as um, the, the last person stepped off the beach into their boat, there was this massive suction sound, and I just start looking around, and the entire beach where we had stood all night disappeared into the water. It just disappeared. It, 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 was the, it was, had been the rainy season, the wet season, and the water was receding, but the beach was like still very like, you know, wet and soggy. And, and the Lord just kept that little beach area up for us all night and until we need, didn't need it. And literally, the moment we stepped off it, it just disappeared. And so the reality of God living with us and tabernacling with us means that he wants to take you on a journey, just as he journeyed with the children of Israel in that, in that actual tent. And now he's journeying in our earthly tent, and he's going to take care of you. Whatever he calls you to do, he's, he's going to provide for you. So I just want to encourage you, whatever, wherever you are in your journey, don't be afraid to step out and take the next step. And, and sometimes, you know, Jesus had the crowd, and he had the disciples. The crowd followed him around. They loved to see the miracles. They loved to, to cheer Jesus on. And then he would call certain people out of the crowd to step forward to be his disciples. And there are instances of people who said yes. And there's instances of people who said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but if God is calling you to take a step of faith to do something, uh, just do it. Don't, don't stay simple in your faith. Uh, stay, stay close to him in the word and in prayer. Uh, get connected to, to, to a good church. Don't overthink it. You know, the amazing thing about the people that we work with, they are completely uneducated in the way that we look at education in terms of, you know, mathematics. They're, they're, uh, they're almost all completely illiterate. 
which actually just means they're very simple-hearted people. They're not, they're not unintelligent. They're not stupid. They're just not educated. But it, it, it makes them a very simple-hearted people. And when they believe, man, they believe. It's just like I'm, I'm, I'm in on this. And a lot of times, because of our Western culture and we're taught to analyze and, 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 and that's you know, not bad. But it can actually, we can, we can overthink things. We can overanalyze things. And it keeps us from just making simple steps of faith. So wherever you are in your journey, keep journeying along with him. And um, we, there's a table out there with, uh, we send out a newsletter if, if you'd like to hear about that. Overland Missions also has short-term trips. If you want to go on a mission trip, we'll send you, we've got people in all around the world. You can go uh, lots of different places. But um, anyways, thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. All right, thanks, Dan. Um, I don't know why you guys didn't pray for a boat that night instead yeah, of a breeze. Yeah. That would have been, maybe God was like, don't you want a boat? All right, here's a breeze. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you actually already answered all my questions that I had for you in the first service. That's the, that's the beautiful part about two services. But if you're interested in uh, talking with Dan further, he is going to be out in the lobby. He's got some information. Again, he has a newsletter sign up. He also has, as he mentioned, opportunities. If you know you heard about the crocodiles and the snakes and the malaria and the disappearing islands, you're like, yes, I want to do that. <laughs> you could go for a short-term trip. Um, with these guys. So, um, but I, I will ask you um, to um, pray with me as we uh, lift Dan and his family up and their missions team as they're in Angola. So let's do that now. Lord God, I just thank you so much for Dan and his family for answering yes to your call time and time again as they serve you uh, in Angola. Uh, Lord, I pray for their safety. Lord, I pray for the opportunities and the doors that you are flinging open for them to walk through, for the gospel to be preached in these areas that are so remote. Lord, I thank you for preserving uh, these, uh, the, the minds and the hearts of the people who are not being overtaken by false religions that are out there in the world, Lord, but that you have preserved them for a time such as this where uh, Dan and his teams are going over. Lord, please, I pray that you would continue to bless those, uh, the, those people who are hearing even for the first time about Jesus. Lord, again, I pray for their protection. Please give them rest as they're home here in the States. Um, prepare them to go back over uh, and to continue to do what it is that you've already prepared for them. We thank you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.